0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Maranek. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Maranek. Hi, everyone, and welcome
2: to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers and even supply chain. Today's guest is Shelley Roth. Shelley is president of Pierre's Ice Cream Company, an 84-year-old regional ice cream manufacturer and distributor. She returned to Cleveland from New York City in 1979, where she had been in the marketing department at Atlantic Records to assist her father with the family business. Her first assignment was in marketing, setting the direction for the company to expand its distribution beyond Cleveland and expand its product assortment. In 1984, Shelley assumed the position of vice president with responsibilities for sales, marketing, finance, and new product development. In 1991, Shelley became president. Pierre's products are sold throughout Ohio and several other states. The company has grown into a regional favorite among ice cream lovers and a leader in production and distribution of gourmet ice creams frozen yogurt, sorbet, frozen novelties, and more. It also manufactures private label lines and distributes many national brands of ice cream. Since 1932, Pierre's has remained at the heart, of, in the heart of Cleveland, Ohio with its original classic recipes as daily reminders of the company's dedication to quality. That dedication influences the company's focus on the future as it develops new business opportunities and continues to be innovative and sensitive to consumers' changing needs. Featuring over 250 products and flavors, Pierre's Ice Cream Company remains committed to the highest quality standards, outstanding service, and industry leadership. Shelley has been active in numerous community organizations and supports the revitalization of Cleveland's neighborhoods in many different ways. On its eight-acre site at East 65th and Euclid, the company constructed a new 40,000-square-foot low-temperature distribution center and 16,000-square-foot office headquarters in 1995. And most recently, completed the construction of a brand new 35,000 square foot state of the art ice cream factory. These investments contribute to the company's operation as well as demonstrate Pierre's commitment and leadership and revitalization and redevelopment of an urban neighborhood. Shelley is a graduate of Leadership Cleveland, which we'll hear about later. In 1989 and 1990, Shelley served as chairman of the Midtown Quarter. She has served on the board of directors of the Cuyahoga Community College Foundation since 1996 and chaired the board from 2004 to 2006. Presently, Shelley serves on the boards of the Cuyahoga County Community Fo- College Foundation and International Ice Cream Association. Shelly Annie and her husband of 33 years, Bruce Schwartz, live in Shaker Heights. She received a BBA degree from the University of Michigan. Wow! Finally, Shelly Roth, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Dave.
2: Well, glad you know, before be he, thank you, and I'm so glad we could we could kind of pull this together, and I'm glad you joined us before we really go into our one of my favorite companies and favorite products, which is ice cream, and Pierre's ice cream, I should add. Let's get into, to know Shelly, Shelly Roth a little bit more. You've got this, this great diverse background. How does a Cleveland girl with, you know, Ohio State an hour and a half, two hours away from here, make it to Michigan? I'd love to hear that.
3: Oh, uh, well, you know, back when I was in high school, there were so many choices for universities and colleges, and um, I was just intrigued to Eat the state of Ohio temporarily, yep. and explore Ann Arbor. And uh, it was a wonderful experience, but I'm still very, very fond of all the great institutions in Ohio.
2: And that's the thing. in a lot of people that don't—we're fortunate to have, um, you know, so many different listeners and even even different countries. But a lot of people don't understand Cleveland at its core. Here we've got not only great academic institutions, but we're we're talking culturally. We're you know we've between the the um, the Museum of Art and and the uh, music foundations, and of course the orchestra and the Playhouse Square. It's just a vibrant community that if you're not from here and don't have the, the ability to visit, you, you got to get here because it's really a cool place.
3: Totally. And also, sometimes when you leave home is when you really learn how wonderful home right. really is. And right. I had a nice opportunity to attend some different schools and live in New York for a while and all that, and, and travel, but all that has made me appreciate what Cleveland has to offer even more.
2: It's, it's cool because so many people are saying similar things. And regardless of there was this, if people aren't familiar with downtown Cleveland, it's really gone through this kind of resurgence, if you will. And, and, and frankly, Shelly, I don't know if you've seen, but you cannot get an apartment downtown. It's got young people and, and older folks. It's completely, there is not an empty spot anywhere. It's amazing.
3: It's amazing. It's vibrant. There has been such a renaissance of our core city and it's going to continue to move in this direction and it's very exciting to witness. Yeah,
2: it is. It is really cool to see and it's and it's fun to watch and it's nice. I'm I'm on the west side, you're on the east side. I uh, and it's just really cool for us to kind of meet in between talking about this great city of Cleveland. So it's really a cool place.
3: Absolutely.
2: Well, let's dig in a little bit further on your time with Leadership Cleveland. I know that's a, that's a very prestigious position. I'm good friends with Brian Tucker, which I believe, I don't know whether you served on the same time with him. Um, he was a publisher of Cranes for a while, right. but, and I didn't know, but I remember he had talked quite glowingly of your involvement with Leadership Cleveland and how instrumental it was. Um, that's a pretty big deal. Tell us more about Leadership Cleveland.
3: You know, it's a very exciting program, and um, and it introduces some of the already uh, some of the individuals who are already demonstrating some leadership ability within the community, and it really brings them together to get a deeper understanding of the needs of the community, what others are faced with. So, in my case, I I did it in the '90s, early '90s. Um, and it was at a time when we had just made the decision to really uh, keep our business in the heart of the city, right. in the Midtown neighborhood, and make that commitment to reinvest in an area that was very blighted. Yep. Um, it, was a pretty, um, it was a pretty bold and brave it was move. Ba-
2: exactly. You were really end. ahead of the curve because that was, that was a very difficult time, and that was a really bad area.
3: Yeah. So by bringing people together, you get to understand how we can all make differences individually and collectively. And um, that program continues to make a difference because of bringing people together. So I was very honored to be a part of it. I learned a lot. Um, I love learning. So it's not only about what you read or what you experience, but sometimes these types of um, programs that bring people together and that you get the opportunity to learn more, it's very enriching and exciting.
2: And for for our listeners, the Leadership Cleveland. And I know you're being very modest, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot with that. But what Leadership Cleveland does is is it's basically they're going out, and, and as Shelley was mentioning, they're they're pulling together business leaders in the community. And and I, if I remember correctly, um, you guys have like a yearly mission or something like that. You guys get together and say we're going to attack. This I don't I don't know whether it's uh, um, it's poverty or or it, it wasn't it, basically you guys have a mission for your year or term however long that is and together you pull your resources and friends and contacts and attack the problem and it's a very very cool thing that um, to watch and and to look at it because that's how things get done it's friends of friends and I know this person and 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 you you kind of glossed over. That Midtown Corridor back in the days, I remember driving through there, um, you know, at the time, and and frankly, you guys put up your new building, and it was literally, it was kind of like, if you build it, they will come kind of thing, because you put that in there, and it blossomed around, the whole neighborhood blossomed around your factory.
3: Yeah, it's still a work in process for the neighborhood, but we were certainly there on the ground floor, and... I literally, you know, I spend more time at work than at home, so I call this my home. I, you know, literally grew up in the business. And I now look back at pictures, and your memory sort of fades of how (laughs) really blighted it was. But I was recently showing someone some pictures, and they couldn't believe this is the grounds. That our building is now on, but the buildings were mostly old industrial brick or block buildings that any window was all blocked up with cinder block, and there were barbed wire fences and, you know, not a blade of grass and not a leaf or a tree. And between what we did with Midtown and what individual companies took the initiative to do that were still in the neighborhood was to just first... Improve the visual appearance of our own um, facilities, and then when we chose to remain and take this area, we were really one of the first companies now to put windows in a building. Yes, and exactly. And trees, and um, it's made such a difference. And now that's the new standard for the um, the look and feel of Euclid Avenue. So yeah, it's really it's, transformed over the 20 it, years.
4: It really
2: is, and it's so cool to see and and I remember dating my wife back in the days and she was living in um actually at the time Cleveland Heights, so I would and of course she was working at Mount Sinai back when that hospital was still open, so we'd kind of cut back and forth up you know whether I'd go through the midtown corridor or whatever it is to get to the east side or or back or whatever, and at the time um you know I was able to really see that whole area just completely. Come alive and turn around it was it's fascinating to see and good for you guys for being a part of it thank you well let's talk a little bit more about the Cuyahoga County Community College Foundation. what yes. does that entail is that again is that tell us more about
4: that
3: yeah that's also another exciting part of our community that um, I was invited to participate in and at the time i didn't know as much about it as I do now and that's why I've stuck with it for all these years. But the work of that um, institution is incredible. They have several campuses around the community and the educational programs they offer to help all aspects of the community, whether it's uh, young people that are right out of high school that want to get a certificate or some sort of degree in a two-year program whether they want to go to a four-year university and begin with the two years at Cuyahoga Community College and then transfer those credits to a four-year university, the workforce training that the school does, and just so many things that they make a big difference for this community. So what the foundation works to do is help support the school and the institution in ways that – raises scholarship dollars for individuals that really want to get that education but sure. have difficulty um, with tuition and um, other needs of the school that we can do to help support them. So over the years, it's been very um, rewarding to know that we can make a difference in so many lives and the fact that an education and a degree can get people... Um, you know, a better life for themselves and their families, um, and it's something we emphasize over and over again.
2: Well, it makes such a huge difference too, and it's interesting because you know we were chatting a little bit earlier about Cleveland, and I just was thinking when you were describing the Cuyahoga County Community College, and all of us have been touched by that college. I don't care whether it's taking an extra class or learning learning a new skill or um, being involved with one of our kids' events that happens to be hosted there, we're all touched by that organization: East Side, West Side, Downtown. And and I just re- was thinking back at um, how generous this town really is. Um, the, the, I remember because it's every year you guys. When I say you guys, Cuyahoga County Community College, the foundation has you know was it Bill Clinton, Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. And you've got these these um preeminent um um leaders or uh, george bush uh right. and, you know and right. they come in and they donate their their time to come here and and to literally raise money for this organization and it's just it's just reminding me of how generous Cleveland is regardless of the economic times it's incredible
3: you're right, and you know to get speakers of uh, these world world yeah. speakers tony blair and yeah. Last year we had Magic Johnson, but they're so, um, so motivational, so inspiring. Um, we get a glimpse of things they want to talk about, but the fact that they make time in their schedule to come to Cleveland to speak in this forum and how excited they are about the work right. of Cuyahoga Community College, right. about right. the purpose behind it, and um, one of the ways we perpetuate this high-level guest is often the guest of the current year helps us reach out to a next year's guest.
2: That's brilliant. And, and,
3: and endorse what the event's all about and tells them, you know, you, you ought to do this. So it's exciting.
2: It's really cool, and and every year I'm always blown away at the magnitude. So yes, you're right. Magic Johnson was this year, and and he by no means is a former basketball player. Only, of course, he is incredibly right. entrepreneurial and great for children. And he is just—it's just a great message of resilience and and um, grit and character. You know,
0: yeah. um,
2: it's so cool, and it was—it's—it's it's excellent, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's just a great great testimony of the Cleveland.
3: So impressed with his um, remarks. I was so inspired by his remarks, and yeah. um, he really is a leader and a generous individual.
2: Yeah, and um, transparent about it too. I mean, yeah. you know, we've all we've all made mistakes and had bumpy roads, and he's incredibly transparent about it. And and he's and has actually used his platform so well to be able to make a difference. And frankly, at the end of the day, that's what we all hope for our kids and our family members. It's it's very cool to see.
3: Yeah, and then another thing you mentioned about tri is how it's touched so many different lives. And, um, you know, I mentioned that I really love to learn all the time, and one of the things is, is I've taken courses at Cuyahoga Community yep. College.
4: Me
2: too.
3: Um, I've taken Six Sigma. Uh, we've yep. brought them in to train at our company to give us all higher-level um, technology skills. So you know, businesses turn to them for many different needs, and it's exciting to have that resource for all of us.
2: It's and it's and again, that's what I was saying before. It's touched all of us, and I and I I can't think of um, you know a year that goes by that we're not there um, in in some way, shape, or form. And and it's just it's just a cool, cool place to go to as well. I really want to dig into your time with Atlantic Records. A Cleveland girl um, yeah. from, the, from the, this, this heart of rock and roll, if you will. Um, tell us a little bit about that as we kind of come up on our, our first break of the day. i, I got to hear about this.
3: All right. Well, that was a very, very, very fun and exciting experience and time in my life. It was the late 70s. Yeah. Um, I was right out of college. I wanted to be somewhere beside Cleveland. To start my career, right? And um, one weekend I was in New York City, and I just pounded the pavement and knocked on lots of doors to
2: (laughs) see if they
3: anyone needed to hire someone. That's awesome!
2: You're so cool.
3: So about a day or two into it, I realized that leaving my resume behind wasn't being very effective. Right. So I finally hit Warner Communications, and I sort of got the knack of things, and I went up to the HR department, and rather than leaving my resume, I just said, could I speak to the person in charge of HR here? Wow. And they go, okay. And so I said, I'd like you know, to be considered, are there any positions in advertising or marketing? And she happened to look and said, well, there happens to be something at Atlantic Records. Would that be of interest to you? I go, oh, yes, that would be very
4: interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so she
3: interviewed me on the spot. Is that right? Yeah, and then said, well, now she had to arrange for an interview with the person that would be my boss at Atlantic Records. Right. So the next day, they invited me back, and I interviewed with the person that became my boss. And um, they offered me a job, and I moved there a week later um, (laughs) and had a great experience.
2: And, and, you know, and, and if anyone doesn't realize, and we're going to share this, I mean, Cleveland is truly a, a musical hotbed. And back in the 70s, uh, with nationally known WMMS right. and I mean goodness gracious it was everything was the epicenter right here everything was happening and Bruce Springsteen and and That's Boz right. Skaggs and all those guys were kind of really coming through here and most of these guys had never even ever even heard but most people hadn't heard of before were being launched in Cleveland I mean it's unbelievable That's
3: right in at Atlantic Records I can remember many many conversations focused on Needing to break the record in Cleveland, it had to be a success in Cleveland if it was a success in Cleveland, it would become a national hit
2: goodness that's crazy mm-hmm. yeah and, you know, and a lot of people don't realize you know we're dealing with Aretha Franklin came up through Atlanta records Ray Charles, that's Roberta right. Flack did you have any any in, in, you know introductions or connections with those people back in the in the heyday
3: you know I, not, not specifically um you know, I was not a high-level person. It was my first entry-level job, but they would come through the office all the time. So um, Atlantic Records in the 50s and 60s was mostly jazz. Yep. But then in the 70s, they had the Rolling Stones, Blues Brothers, ABBA,
4: Foreigner.
3: Wow. I remember my first meeting, they were um, launching uh, the song Freak Out by Chic,
2: is that and, right?
3: Yeah, it was so exciting to hear that music <laughs> and have no idea where this song was going to go, but hearing it and thinking this is going to go somewhere, it was so exciting. And then it was this number one hit for months.
4: Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And every, they and had, s- yeah.
2: Sorry.
3: No, I was going to say they had such a huge assortment of um, disco music at that time, yep. rock and roll, uh, Genesis was on the label, Foreigner, Led Zeppelin. So they had so much going on.
2: And, and everything was converging at that time, like you were mentioning before, not just, you know, again, originally sort of coming up with jazz, but everything was happening at that time, and a lot of it, it was so cool to be here it was all happening around here in some way, shape or form was flowing through Cleveland and um, some of the, the local um, um, lounges and, and, and um, you know, we had all these eclectic record stores, um, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we had all these really oddball one, there was no real big chains. If I, if I remember correctly of records and, and everybody was just kind of involved in it. You just, there was a vibrancy to it and it was just, it was just, it was unlike anything else.
3: Right. And, part of what we did at Atlantic or any record label was every month there was probably 10 to 12 new albums being released. And with each album, it was, you know, this is where... This was ground zero in my education for really understanding packaging and merchandising. Because back then with record stores, you had to have a beautiful record album jacket, um, that was a piece of art. Sure. Posters, um, lots of merchandising materials that got people's attention so that when they came in the store, they picked up the album.
2: Um, and his, it's, and it, looking back, you're right, because I never really paid attention to it until now you're describing it. it. It is packaging. I really never even thought about those covers for the albums back in the days, but it was packaging. It was really kind of a, you yeah. know how you got your, your product noticed. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It,
3: exactly. And the art and the um, you know, the work that went into making an album jacket and a, and a look for that record and giving it life beyond its music. So um, it was exciting to see how that was done. And oh, then man. during my era, it was just at the cusp of MTV. So I was just record... going to
2: ask you that. I remember that time, and it was just at the beginning. Please run with that.
3: Right. So... Everyone was starting to develop these video departments so that the artists could really create part of the marketing was not only their album jacket and the support material at the stores and the um, goals to get as much airplay, but it was also now to create a wonderful video, music video, so it could be on MTV.
2: And and I try to disc- I've got a 17 year old and a 14 year old. Right. And uh-huh. I try to explain to our kids how incredibly um, over the top MTV was because it had never been there was nothing else like it. And for about 10 years or so, and I'm guessing at the number of years, but about 10 years, it was, it was it, man. It was that's that, that, that stayed on the TV for 24 hours a day. I don't care whether we were in college or wherever we're at. It was on there and, and it became just as big as the music, the actual music itself, you know, the video. And, you know, and some people actually sold more um, when it came to the video than they did the actual music. And it was just a crazy, crazy time. And, oh, man, how cool to be in New York City at that time. That's crazy.
3: Right. And and that was, the MTV era was like the 80s. So really, yep. as amazing as Michael Jackson's music was, for example, his videos yes. are what propelled...
4: His yep. music,
3: and he did such a great job at, you know, entertaining and and having videos that really, um, you know, uh, accented his music.
2: And he spent big money on it too. He was probably the first one that kind of had these million dollar budgets for his. Right. Of course, he could afford it, but it was these million dollar budgets for his videos on top of the music itself, and then they have the big, and then, of course, he had the sponsorship with Pepsi, and they would mm-hmm. make these big extravaganzas, and it was it was just crazy, and uh, it's just hard to describe. And then, of course, as quick as it was here, poof, it was gone. They tried to, you know, MTV sort of, and I, I don't even know if music videos are still around, but it's not like it was back in, 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 in those days. That's crazy.
3: Right. Well, now we have a whole new delivery of music. Yep. Um, electronically, and that's another interesting thing is, you know, here you had the traditional delivery in some sort of hard record or tape that you go and buy, and now we have access to amazing music all the time in many different ways, but all electronically. So, um, you know, I think some of the ways the artists have the visual with it is through YouTube. It's crazy. Unbelievable.
2: Hey, it's time for a quick break. We're talking with Shelley Roth, president of Pierre's Ice Cream, and we will be right back. Stay tuned.
1: the experts call toll-free right now 1-866-472-5787 Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com
0: or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? News. Opinions. Opinions. Opinions.
1: Opinions. 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 Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Maranek. If you would like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now back to Ditch the Box.
2: Welcome back to Ditch the Box. We're chatting with my friend Shelly Roth, president of Pierre's Ice Cream here in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, Pierre's Ice Cream Shop opened its doors in 1932 at a chic East 82nd Street and Euclid Avenue location in Cleveland, Ohio. Its gourmet ice creams were prepared fresh each day in the back of the store and sold by the cone, cup, or by or hand-packed for take-home. Company founder, Alexander Pierre Bassett, dreamed of marketing a premium ice cream which would be unsurpassed. Thus, the name Pierre's and the creamy, indulgent recipe that is still used today. It didn't take long for Pierre's to outgrow its small space on Euclid Avenue. Through the years, Pierre's made numerous expansions and relocations, each time into larger and more efficient manufacturing facilities. With each move, Pierre's also stayed within three miles of its original location, right in the heart of Cleveland. Pierre's move to its current distribution center and office headquarters at East 65th and Euclid in 1995, just one mile away of its original shop in 2011. Pierre's opened a brand new 35,000 square foot ice cream factory containing state-of-the-art technology. These factory investments, along with Pierre's eye-catching fleet of special low-temperature trucks, provided a platform to service retailers and distributors across the country with high-quality products and world-class service. As an anchor company in the heart of Midtown Cleveland, Pierres demonstrated a bold commitment to the community in early 1990s by remaining and reinvesting in the neighborhood. One of the first Pierre, Pierre one of the first ice cream producers in the country to achieve SQF Level 3 certification, the industry's highest achievable level of food safety and food quality, Pierres is poised to continue contributing and innovating into the food industry. Looking back, the first product that Pierre's produced was its pint. French vanilla, Swiss chocolate, and strawberry comprised the entire assortment assortment, and were sold throughout local grocery stores. An updated version of the original package design is still used today to remind consumers that Pierre's is dedicated to upholding the high-quality recipes developed at the original ice cream shop. So that's a good foray into talking a little bit more about um, this great company that you run now, Pierre's. Let's talk a little bit more, uh, if we can, or talk more, if we could, about your oldest memories as a kid. Because you basically, when you say you lived there at the factory, I'm sure you were there a lot with your dad back in the day. Tell us more about that, Shelley.
3: I, I was here a lot with him. You know, he worked very, very hard, and that's one of my strongest memories is how much my father worked, um, and that's what it took when you had your own business. Is it was seven days a week. You know, right. a lot of times, you know, when other dads were out throwing baseballs with their children, my dad was busy working. And on the weekends, when people, he was, you know, very customer service oriented. And if people needed an extra delivery of ice cream, he would take me by the hand and have a. Have me as his little assistant. And
4: go down
3: <laughs> to the factory with him, and we would yep. load the car and put a little dry ice on it, and go make a delivery or two. Um, and it was, you know, very special for me to have my dad let me tag along. I always loved being with him. Yep. And uh, and I learned a lot through just being with him and seeing how he treated. Um, Customers and his um, team members, and how he really worked so hard to do, you know, do the best with um, a real business that started from the ground up.
2: Yeah, and you can really tell just from reading the background and getting to know you about it's. It's really part of your family. It's in your. It's it's in your DNA. It's in your dad's DNA that that heart and soul because it's not just making. The 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 ice cream. I'm sure it's it's you know it's being part of the community like we talked about. It's um it, it's really and truly making a difference. Um you know he prided himself on making those deliveries himself back in the day. Let's face it, not anybody else is going to be doing that on a Saturday or Sunday, but he was. Right. Right. Um you know and you don't you don't see that often these days, and that's what makes it so special and such an institution for those of us who had you know were able to really enjoy the time here.
3: Right. And when I, you know, my dad was my best friend. So right. we, cool. I had a very special opportunity to work with my best friend and mentor yeah. and someone yeah. who, in the 80s, when women weren't being offered to head companies or even think about going into family businesses, and he had the confidence in me and was open minded about allowing me to do this so um you know from when i was a child through those early years here on a full-time basis my dad just was phenomenal at sharing his knowledge and being encouraging and um Generous
2: with his education, and just really ahead of his time because, like you and like you mentioned, back in those days, and, and and look, let's face it, we don't have to go very far to to see how difficult it is for succession plans and family businesses and things to kind of carry on, and um, especially turning over a business or or having. Um, you know, a daughter, uh, a female run it back in those days, if you will. Mm -hmm. And your dad was really ahead of his time to know that, you know, it didn't matter whether you were uh, a girl or a boy or black or white or whatever it is. You, He knew you were ready to go. And he knew he could kind of, you know, really work you into that. And that's a testimony for him to be able to kind of look at that. Because a lot of guys back in those days would have gone, and I guarantee you, Shelly, he had friends and people that he knew going, no, don't do it. Don't do it, Saul. Don't do it (laughs) you know know what i mean
4: what are
3: you doing are you crazy don't you want your daughter just to stay at home exactly and
2: crochet or stay in the kitchen mm -hmm. or whatever it is they archie bunker would say back in the days you know back in because remember that was back in the heyday of archie bunker and and edith and the rest of it and 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 good for your dad and then obviously it it, kind of worked out for you
3: and the benefit was for both of us was the really honor and privilege and joy to work together side by side. It was
4: right.
3: heartwarming for him and me. We just got along so well.
4: That's um, cool. We didn't
3: always agree on everything, but right. that's what bringing a younger person in um, does to you know help the business um, move forward. And it was just really nice that he could also then um, show that you know family was very important, and right. we just had a, a, a balanced family life and relationship at work.
2: Man, that is hard to to even comprehend sometimes, and the fact that you guys were able to do that and continue to thrive. And and get through. I mean, it's just amazing um, the foresight it takes to do that. Good for you guys. That's awesome.
3: Very special and one of the highlights of my life.
2: Well, tell me when when your dad did make that call back in '79. um, Was it a time of hey, just wanted to chat about maybe you coming home? Tell us more what that was. It a call of hey, we want to get this business to the next level, or you know, because. Remember, I I bet you you were pretty much um, knee-deep in the music business in New York City. You were probably having a blast. What's that phone call like from your dad that says, hey, what do you think about coming back to Cleveland?
3: Right. Well, it wasn't like an instant, yes, Dad, I'll be there. Um, (laughs)
2: That's cool, because I know Shelly Roth. It's not going to happen overnight. I get it. I love it. I love it.
3: So the way it unfolded was, you know, I had really started to... Um, have an amazing time in New York, both with my job and, you know, the city life there. And in 1979, Cleveland was at its low point. It had just defaulted, and it just was not a great place. So um, it took a lot of phone calls about um, the possibility of coming home, but what really um, clinched it was my brother had um, been accepted into medical school, Hmm. So, that option for succession planning had now closed because, um, you know, that was a possibility that if my brother decided to come in the business, you know, I really wasn't top on the list, but he decided to go to medical school and so that left me as a potential for succession planning. So, I think that's really what um, drove my dad to really start to recruit me in a more aggressive way and then when I really thought about it long and hard I realized it's more important that I come home and help my dad Um, and if I didn't do well in the business or if it didn't work out I could always go to to New York and work in you know marketing or advertising but this opportunity to help him and support him at a time when he needed some backup in the business um, yeah Became a real um, important choice for me.
2: Well, and like you said, it, it turned out to be such a blessing for both you guys, and it just was right. such a cool thing for your relationship. Right, it was. So back in those days, where was Pierre's being sold? I mean, was it you know it, what was it like back in those days? Was it a you know, and again, I know Cleveland was was really on the downswing, but was business good? Was business soft? What was business like?
3: No, business was very good. Um, good. Business was very good. We had a lot of customers. Um, there were, at back then, many, many independently owned uh, grocery stores, drug stores, restaurants. Right. And we had an abundance of diverse customers. Um, and it was a lot about our quality and customer service and delivery services. Over the years, it actually got harder because of the consolidation in the industry. And all these merchants either were acquired by bigger chains uh, and eventually acquired by chains and national and global companies that made decisions not in Cleveland and started to make decisions about brands in their stores that weren't necessarily the regional favorite, but they wanted a consistent national product. Right. So um, when I first started, some of the ability to add customers was actually easier because there were a lot to choose from. Right. So that changed. Um, But overall, the work we've done to try to have products that excite customers service the outlets that our products are in um, is still the same fundamentals that from when I started.
2: And you and you guys have really kept up with the times. I, I you know it's, it's it's just looking back, um, whether prepping for the show or getting to know you, um, you know, some of the things I've seen, you guys have pretty much zigged and zagged with the with the industry and been ahead of the curve when it comes to, you know, coming up with these really cool flavor combinations. And um I know you've had tremendous success with um um was it Hello Fruit? I know I'm pronouncing it. It's, yeah. oh, it's Hello Fruit Test. Fruta. Fruit. I know, yeah, but yeah. I, hello fruit. That's that's as far as I'm going to go. Um, yep. But no, it, you guys have really been ahead of the curve at that, and 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 that's not hard to, you know, that's not easy to do uh, when you're not bored in or or some of these other global. I'm just making, I'm just throwing this out, but I don't know how big those companies are. You guys have been able to kind of really be uh, on the cutting edge of a lot of that stuff.
3: Thanks. Yes, we do um, work hard to. Stay relevant and do fresh new things to keep right. customers excited about our brand. So every year we launch some new items, and some are home runs, and some yep. are base hits, and some stick around for a few years and then we phase them out. Um, but that's important to keep the excitement about the brand, it's important to uphold the consistency of the fundamental product. So that people return year after year and make those part of their um, purchasing choices.
2: And, and what's what I'm thinking about as, as you were just mentioning that too is I just see a lot of the um, some of these what, what do they call it super premium brands or mm-hmm. that's yes. it's this and it's, I think it's a like this high end unbelievable um, you know Cold Stone and some of these others that that you know that make this super premium brand. Of ice cream but but that 's what 's cool is that you 've got your hand in a lot of different areas you don 't you also have super premium, but you also have the sorbets and you also have right. a lot of these others and you 've got the the novelty items and the and the, the 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 ice cream bars and things like that so you guys are really well positioned um, to continue on this path of growth
3: right We want to have products that delight everyone, and so we have all different um sizes, lots of different flavors, lots of different recipes so that anyone that really wants a choice of a frozen dessert, there should be a Pierre product that that suits their um, desires.
2: Now, would you consider Pierre's um, some stuff, you've got some items that are national, some regional. Would you consider Pierre's a regional player or national player? Tell us more. And I don't even know know, one's better than the other. I'm just throwing it out there.
3: Brand is, I would consider our brand regional because if you go outside of Ohio, even if you go outside of northern Ohio, you won't find it in very many places. Um, So we have a strong concentration in northern Ohio. We sell Pierre's in a little bit in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Chicago. But other than that, you probably won't find Pierre's in very many cities or states. Um, We recently started selling Pierre's in China, so hopefully that'll be an exciting developing opportunity. But um, it is hard for a regional company to expand its brand outside of its geography, um, especially in the past 10 or 20 years when you're just going to global, strong, Retailers that right. say, "What do we need another regional brand, or what do we need this for?" Or, or if it, it, it might be worth looking at if you pay millions of dollars to pay slotting for. I was just going to ask. Itself.
2: It's, it's mm-hmm. yep. You're just. It's so. That's God. That's such a double-edged sword.
3: Right. So it it really it really restricts what any company like ours can do with our own brand. However. That being said, we have this amazing team and amazing products, and what we develop for our brand for the people of Ohio, we then often um, display and show it around to some of the major retailers around the country when they do their own private labels. Right. And often get the opportunity to produce for them according to whatever recipe however we modify it for their needs. So um, that's sort of been one of the national things that we do do now.
2: And let's this. stay with that because it's a great segue because one of the things I wanted to bring up was is your private label because you're so proud and rightfully so of your um, quality certification that you've gone through tremendous hoops to get that. Um, right. And that it makes you guys available to do the private label for a lot of companies. And frankly, that's do they come in with their recipe, Shelly, and say, we want you to make this? Or do you guys work together with them and come up with these crazy flavors for, for different companies as right. a private label?
3: It's often a collaborative thing. Every private label we do has its own unique formula.
4: Right. So
3: it's not just replicating Pierre's in another package. It is. It may have a different base, it may have some different inclusions, so every formula is different, so we just collaborate with our accounts, and we just start fundamentally with, here is a flavor we make in Pierre's, it might be, you know, we just came out with pretzel Sunday this past year.
2: Right, right, which okay, is delicious, so take, by the way, I might add.
3: Thank you, so we... <laughs> show it, and they go, oh, yeah, you know, we think that would be good in our package. And then we work with them about, well, you know, do you want this? What base do you want? What butter fat? All the different things, and then we'll make it to their specifications.
2: What's that process like, Shelley? Is that a six-month deal? Is that something you guys can do in a month? I don't know anything about private label of of ice cream. Is Is that a long process?
3: It depends. I would say... We often want to, we often think it takes a year, but sometimes we can do it in like six to eight months.
2: Got it, got it.
3: And um, the interesting thing, going back to SQF, is that is about a standard in our food safety and food quality that is certified by a third party so that people that want to turn to us for those services can yep. have a comfort level that our factory and our processes are the highest level of food safety and food quality.
4: And
2: that's not, again, that's not easy to get that. You have to, they don't just walk in and cookie cutter that. That is no. that is a long process that you have to make sure that your T's are crossed, your I's are dotted, your paperwork is in order. Obviously, your plant has got to be meticulously clean and kept clean. I mean, that's a big deal.
3: It is. It's a very big deal, and we're very proud of that certification. We were one of the first ice cream companies in the country to achieve Level three thousand, so we're very proud of it, and we maintain that, and it's um, it's good for everyone.
2: Well, and it ties into one of the uh, couple of questions before we wrap up today's show, and I really want to make sure we touch base on marketing. Um, You know, it's because that certification. Um, is something, do you market that to your private label and other clients? I mean, about that certification, I would imagine you do. I'm just, um, that's got to be a big deal.
3: Right. We're proud of it, um, but it's more of a footnote because you probably wouldn't get authorized to do many of the largest national and global retailers um, if you didn't have it. Got it. Um, But more important is having that comfort level with our team and what we represent and how we work. And, you know, it's like hiring anyone for your organization. Can you depend on them? Um, Are are they going to deliver? There's a lot of people that make big promises and they just don't execute. Right. Um, Once people start to work with us, they see they can rely on us and that we execute and then so that helps with um, more and more opportunity.
2: Well it it sure does and 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 it and also kind of ties into a next question I've got and and you're born and bred and marketing is in your blood and back to right. your days of Atlanta Records and and now Pierre's between your your custom design Pierre's red trucks to how I hear you on um local media or uh commercials or things like that how do you still enjoy the marketing and 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 how much involvement do you personally have it um these days
3: Yeah, I love marketing. Marketing is fun, and especially I've had the privilege to be in marketing of two fun products, you know, music and ice
4: cream. Right. So
3: (laughs) it's so enjoyable. And, um, you know, by nature, I like to be creative. I like to have ideas. I'm blessed that I can um, visualize things. Right. Do things with layout and visual. So um, it just all comes together, and I do love it.
2: You know, it's interesting. I, I, I was interviewing a guy um, yesterday, Ray God, and, and, and Ray is with um, a Flagship Food Group, totally unrelated business. And, and he was, and he originally, uh, he's out in Boise, Idaho, and he's originally from um, Dayton, and um, what was interesting was he ha- has a marketing and a psychology background, and he was talking about how they go together, and I and I thought that's absolutely brilliant because a lot of what we have to do is something you just mentioned. We have to kind of brainstorm these things, and that kind of ties in the psychology of our customers and thinking about what our consumers are like and what they like, what they don't like, and where are they listening, where are they where are they buying, and so there is a piece of psychology s- into the, every every bit of marketing that we do and and it shows um, and, and totally how you agree. connect Yeah,
3: I would agree yes
2: I think it's really cool so so tell me as we kind of wrap up we've got a few minutes left where okay. do you see Pierre's in the next three to five years
3: um, well I think it's very exciting where we're at because um, we're working on some new products so we're very excited to um, you know introduce those uh, we're working on some fun promotional ideas, so we're excited about that. We've developed some new relationships um, in many different channels, whether it's food service or retail, Um, so that's very exciting, too. But most importantly is we um, always view our core market as the highest priority. So we, for the next three to five years, our goal is to delight the ice cream, purchasing public of Northern Ohio with products that they love and that they trust and that we can do a great job for them.
2: You know, I'll tell you, um, I normally ask our guests at the end, you know, and I was going to ask you this question, but I'm just going to ask you and then answer it for you. How do you like that, Shelly? Um, sure. <laughs> so it, It's so cool. Um, you, you were talking a little bit ago and I, and, I, and I just was thinking about your dad back in the days and, and that kind of stuff. I mean... One of the questions I usually ask is, What are you most most proud of over the years, and personally and professionally? And I can hear it in your voice, Shelly, of just how proud you are of really and truly being a Clevelander, um, that you know your core. Um, is the Northeast Ohio market. Yes, you've got ties outside of the the area. Yes, you do some stuff nationally. But, you know, I I think your dad, in fact, I know he's incredibly proud of you. I just think that's really, really cool because you've never changed. And and that's kind of why he's smiling down on you because I think that's really, really cool. Good for you.
3: I sure hope so. Thank you.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Folks, it was really, really a pleasure to have my buddy, Shelly Roth, with us today from Pierre's Ice Cream. Um, I'd like to thank my producer, Jamie Berling, executive producer, Winnie Winston-Price, and all of you for listening. Until next time, remember, it's your product, everybody. Package it properly.
1: Thanks. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week.